everyone. It's another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are glad you're listening over at Joy620 or you listen to the podcast. Either way, however you're listening, we are grateful for that. You can go to investinghope.com and find this show. You can go to iTunes, Google Play, Podbeam, wherever podcasts are found. You can find this show or you could just listen at 5 o'clock every Tuesday afternoon on Joy620. We would welcome that as well. Today, boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, do we have... Some big, big news to discuss. And if you are a pro-lifer, uh, then you might have heard in the last couple of days that the Supreme Court has decided to take up a case out of Mississippi. And so we're going to talk at length about what this means for life, what this means for abortion, what this means for the current administration, what's this mean for the legacy of the past administration, what's this mean for the mantra and mindset of, hey, vote this way, you'll get the judges that you want, and the judges that you want will ultimately decide on cases that will change the trajectory for years to come. So we're going to talk about that today, and the case out of Mississippi is... Uh, is one that finally, since 1992, now hear this. Now, I, I, I was born in the 80s, so when I think of 92, I don't feel like it was that far and that long ago. The 90s, to me, seemed like they were just a little bit ago, but the reality is, that's decades ago. And, and the Supreme Court has not dealt with a case that, that targets directly the, the decision of Roe v. Wade, and making abortion legal. We have not seen the Supreme Court take up a case since 1992 to deal with this. Now, what you have seen is you've seen state after state after state, conservative states, red states, pass bills that would, uh, in the hopes of, that would hopefully go after Roe v. Wade. But the reality is none of those bills did that. None of those pieces of legislation did that. And so what you find is you find a heartbeat bill or trigger bills or ladder bills that we've seen in the state of Tennessee and other places never make their way to the Supreme Court. But finally, Mississippi has done that. And so it's interesting to think about what this means for a Biden administration that frankly has been struggling in the first 100 days of office. You see gas is higher than it's ever been, or not than it's ever been, but than it's been in, in four years. Uh, inflation is up. Lumber costs are up. Uh, we still have a pandemic. We still have parts of the country that are closed. Still have restaurants and hotels that are closed in parts of the country. You've seen uh, some correcting of that over the last couple of weeks. The CDC initially came out and said, if you've been vaccinated, you still got to wear masks in certain cases. And then just last week said, hey, if you've been vaccinated, go have fun. And so you see Target, you see Walmart, you see Food City, you see some of these other places start to go, yeah, if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. It's going to be in the honor system. Uh, you do you. Now, why are they doing that? Has the science really changed? Well, no. It's a political thing. People are tired. People are tired. They said that when, when Governor Abbott in Texas opened everything back up months ago, he was called a Neanderthal. He was told that we're going to have bodies stacked on top of each other because of the decision that the governor had made in Texas. Well, guess what? Yesterday, they had no deaths from COVID. So we're seeing a trajectory change there. And, and, and from a political standpoint, it makes sense. You, you have a Biden administration that's struggling and, and they're starting to say, hey, you know, if you got your vaccine, then then, you know, take the mask off. 
Now you have some people that are saying, well, hold on, you've been telling us that we need to keep doing that. So, so you're going to have some, some unease that, that goes with that. Now in the state of Tennessee, we've been blessed and we've had a lot of freedoms, uh, and, and are grateful for that. So, so now we look at what is happening. I can assure you the Biden administration wasn't saying, hey, you know what we really need is the Supreme Court to take up an abortion case that could undo Roe v. Wade. That is the last thing this administration wanted. But again, voting and elections have consequences. So what we find is this week it's been announced that the Supreme Court is going to look at the appeal of Mississippi. Mississippi passed a law in 2018, just to give you some context. Mississippi passed a law in 2018 saying, and now some people would say that it, that it goes back even further than, than 15 weeks, but ultimately saying that abortions after 15 weeks should be illegal in the state of Mississippi. And now the Supreme Court, that's been in, in, uh, in limbo and that's been stalled in the courts since 2018. And now the Supreme Court, a conservative Supreme Court, has said we're going to take up this case. So what does that mean? Is it a slam dunk? Is it our pro-lifers should be pro, should pro-lifers be uh, enthusiastic at the moment? Well, here's here's the reality. We we wanted a a conservative Supreme Court for a long time. The reality is a conservative Supreme Court gave us Roe v. Wade. Many of them were Reagan appointees. And then in, in 1992, you had uh, Bush appointees and you had conservative appointees. Again, get us to a place where you're going, hold on, this isn't what we thought we would get. <clears throat> but but during Trump's administration, Trump said in, a, in debate after debate, look, I'm going to nominate judges. He didn't say that are pro-life. He said, I'm going to nominate judges that will overturn Roe v. Wade. So you think, well, OK, he, that's what he said. We shall see if that's the case. He he appoints Gorsuch. He appoints Kavanaugh. If you remember, that was a, a big old mess. But Kavanaugh got appointed. And then the last one to take the place of Ruth Bader Ginsburg was Amy Coney Barrett, a mother of seven, a Catholic. And so we, we have we also have Justice Thomas. And so the question is, do we have five votes? Do we have five votes? Now, now I would argue that if, if the court decided to take up this case without knowing they had five votes, th- this is the biggest miscalculation politically I've ever seen. So I believe we have the five votes. I really do. If not... If we don't see this overturned, if we don't see this case from Mississippi go to the Supreme Court and ultimately the court rule in favor of Mississippi and this law, then everything we've been sold and everything we've been told from a political standpoint with if you vote for us, we will get the judges in place to overturn Roe, everything you have seen would be for naught. And so what that would do is is that would it completely see the establishment implode. It would see the federal Federalist Society implode. Because these are Federalist Society appointees. And what they have said from the beginning is we are originalist. We believe the Constitution never gave a right to an abortion. 
And we believe that the ruling in 1973 was a major miscalculation, a misuse of the language of the Constitution, and it's been unconstitutional since 1973. We've seen that in, in Justice Thomas's uh, report, uh, uh, opinions as he has targeted and gone after Roe v. Wade a number of times. Any chance he gets, he, he points his, his sights on that. We saw that with Scalia. And so the question is, what happens if the court rules in favor of Mississippi? What do you think Biden and the, and the Congress are going to do? Are they going to just agree with the court's decision? I don't know. But, but I do believe that we have the five votes. I believe Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, Barrett, Thomas, Alito, will vote in favor of the Mississippi law. And, and here's the, here's the, the marching orders moving forward, if that happens. If that were to happen, and they allow Mississippi to say, after 15 weeks, abortion is illegal, then there better be states lining up, red states lining up, saying, yeah, we're going to write the same legislation. <clears throat> you see, this is a personhood issue. It was said even back in 73 and, and 92, look, if we, could, if we could prove personhood, if we could prove that life in the womb is actually human, then, and, and if we could prove personhood, then, then all of these arguments are for nothing because we have to protect life. Well, folks, science has proven that over and over and over and over and over again. So there's no, there's no arguing, is it a life or not? And of course, this Mississippi law still has an exception for life of the mother. But, but we have to understand what this means. We have to understand the importance of this moment. And, and, and frankly, the legacy that this would leave for former President Donald Trump. Now, now say what you will about the man, and, and there are many folks that listen to this that, that love him. There are many folks that may listen to this that despise him. There are many folks that listen to this that may fall somewhere in between. But in terms of life and abortion, just looking at that issue, one of the most pro-life presidents to ever hold the office, period. Now, personally, does he feel that way? I'm not sure. But from a legislative standpoint, from a, uh, a narrative standpoint, from a appointing of justices standpoint, not just at the Supreme Court level, but judges across the country, from that standpoint, what he did was hold true to what he said he was going to do. If we get on the other side of this decision and this Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade by ruling in favor of Mississippi, this is a legacy for Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, that will last for a long, long time. Where he can say, I appointed three judges. Those three judges, along with, Tom, along with Thomas and Alito, gave you what you wanted. They overturned the law that we've been trying to overturn for 40 plus years. So I'm not saying count 
your chickens before they hatch. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. I'm not saying it's a done deal. What I'm saying is, from looking at this, this court would would be making the biggest miscalculation they've ever made if they've taken up this case and they don't know if they have the five votes or not. That would be that would be a, a mess beyond what we could imagine. Now, why do I say that? Because if they if they don't have the five votes, they take this case up. And, and they rule again, like they did in 1992, in favor of abortion. Then it's going to be awfully hard for any political candidate who, who claims to be pro-life, who claims to be conservative, to then get on the campaign trail and tell people to their face, vote for me and I'll get you the judges you want. Well, hey, we listened to that and, and you didn't get us what we wanted. Yeah, you've been telling us that decade after decade, and, and guess what? Abortion's still the law of the land. Now, some would say, well, well judges are not supposed to be political. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, in 2021, everybody and everything is political. Now, they would say, we're not being political. We're just originalists. We believe the Constitution says what it says and means what it means, and that's where we are. We are uh, going to run with that. We're not going to, you know, as Hillary Clinton said in the debate, we're not going to look and see what the culture says and to determine what the Constitution should say. What we're going to do is look at what the founders organized, what the Constitution says, and then we're going to legislate. We're going to we're going to rule out of that. And so ultimately, if they decide in favor of Mississippi, what this means is you're going to see states craft laws very similar to this. You're going to see the abortion industry funnel millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, into campaigns. You're going to see the midterm elections become the biggest thing ever. You're going to see a move. Hear me. You're going to see a move to uh, stacking the court. You're going to see a lot of things occur. Because this is the golden calf. This is it. And so the question is, how will the courts rule? And then when we come back, what I'm going to look at is why I think the courts should rule in the favor of Mississippi. We'll talk more when we come back. So the conversation continues as we look to news out of Washington, the Supreme Court concerning a Mississippi bill that was passed and signed by the governor in 2018. It's been been stalled and, and in limbo in the court since then. Like most pro-life legislation, that's where it ends up. Uh, but the Supreme Court has ruled that they will take a look at this case. They have accepted the appeal uh, of Mississippi, and they're going to look at this case. And so I want to talk to you about why, why I think the court will, in fact, decide in the favor of Mississippi and why they should. And so there's a, there's a great piece over at, uh, National Review and it's written by the editors. And I wanted to share that with you because it does a great job of kind of outlining why this is important and, and why this is monumental and why the court should, should decide in favor of Mississippi. So uh, as we said, the court, uh, this week agreed to hear Mississippi's appeal in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization to decide the fate of the state's gestational age act. That law, passed in 2018 and held in limbo ever since by the courts, bans abortions after 15 weeks, except in a medical emergency or in the case of severe fetal abnormality. 
Nothing in the text or history of the Constitution bars such laws, and the court should say so. Better still, it should put an end to the long charade of judge-invented abortion law. The court should say that Roe v. Wade never had any legitimate basis in our Constitution and returned the issue to the people's representatives, meaning let it go back to the states. It should do so precisely because this issue is too important not to be decided by the people. Seven men in black robes started this. For 48 years, using a shifting series of rationales um, from a woman's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life, the court has been winging it. Making up the rules has led to making up more rules. What burdens on abortion are, quote, undue? Should the court apply a, quote, balancing test? Even Chief Justice John Roberts has mocked that project. Quote, there is no plausible sense in which anyone, let alone this court, could objectively assign weight to such imponderable values and no meaningful way to compare them if they were, if there were, end quote. Meanwhile, with each passing year, modern medicine finds new ways to save babies delivered earlier and earlier, and modern science finds new ways to bring us face-to-face with the elementary biological fact that the unborn are individual human beings. Roe was supposed to make law rest on science instead of text and tradition, but real science accepts new discoveries. The refusal of judges and lawyers to adjust to new science is a sign that they were better off sticking to reading laws. Roe has not settled the issue or removed it from our politics. Quite the contrary. As Justice Scalia once wrote, quote, to portray Roe as the statesmanlike settlement of a divisive issue, a jurisprudential piece of Westphalia that is worth preserving is nothing less than Orwellian. Roe fanned into life an issue that has inflamed our national politics in general and has obscured with its smoke the selection of justices to this court in particular ever since. Value judgments, after all, should be voted on, not dictated. And if our Constitution has somehow accidentally committed them to the Supreme Court, at least we can have a sort of, uh, we can, we can each time a new nominee to that body it's put forward. So we can nominate a, a new nominee to that body it's put forward. End quote. Nothing in three decades since he wrote those words has lessened their power. There is a time and place for the courts to move gradually, letting the law develop one case at a time. But there is nothing new under the sun in arguments about constitutional pedigree of Roe v. Wade. A majority of the court knows that Roe is nonsense. It is past time for the justices to say so. Sixty-two million Americans have died. How many more need to die before the judiciary exercises its own indispensable role to say what the Constitution is? Folks, this is huge. Yeah, I'm often asked, do you think Roe v. Wade will be overturned? And I have said multiple times on this show and in other places, I do believe in my lifetime that it will be overturned. Not because of uh, political shenanigans, not because of uh, a revival, although that would be nice. It would be amazing if the church kind of led that. But but the, the fact remains... Science has gotten us to a place where you have to be completely, you just have to be dishonest to say it's not a life in the womb. You're just being dishonest. To argue that it's a blob of tissue or a clump of cells, you're being dishonest. Period. Because we know it's not. We we know that babies are surviving... As early as 20 weeks. 
And so if we're at the plot, if we're at the point of, of babies being born at 20 weeks and surviving outside of the womb, then who's to say that in 10 years, in 15 years, babies outside of the womb can't survive at 18 weeks or 15 weeks? We're starting to see even the abortion industry go, hey, we might need to have support groups for post-aborted people. Well, why would you have support groups for post-aborted people? If, if all they're doing is getting rid of a clump of cells, you don't have post, uh, ACL groups, you know, after they get their ACL re- replaced, you don't have groups for them. So if they're just getting rid of a clump of cells or a blob of tissue, why would you have to have a support group? Because they know what's going on. Because they know that a life had been ended via abortion. You see, to them, abortion is the golden calf. As I said earlier, it is the idol. It's a religion. And so we find ourselves in a place where the Supreme Court's finally taken up a case that has its sights directly set on Roe v. Wade. So the question is, do they have the votes? And oh, to be a fly on the wall of the Oval Office this week as they're dealing with pandemic and they're dealing with a gas crisis and they're dealing with inflation and they're dealing with all the things that they're dealing with. And now they're being told uh, the Supreme Court's taken up a case that could see Roe v. Wade become a thing of the past. Yeah, they are. And so it, it's not over. Even if the Supreme Court rules in favor of Mississippi, it's not over. We have activist judges all across this country that again see abortion as the golden calf. It's a religion. It's a mindset that drives them. It's a billion dollar industry. Look folks, this, this isn't, uh, this isn't a game to, to either side. The pro-life side is, is seeking to see Roe overturned because we believe that life has value and we want to protect it. The abortion industry side is that some would argue it's, it's a women's health issue, but, but the fact remains it's a billion dollar industry. Billions of dollars. So Planned Parenthood right now is looking and going, hold on, if they do this and then other conservative states follow, that means maybe our clinics will have to close in those states. And right now, if you look at the lay of the land across the country, there's more conservative states than liberal states. Conservatives own the majority of states in terms of legislatures, in terms of governorships. That's the reality. Then you have bills like what we have in Tennessee that's a trigger bill. Hey, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion is outlawed in the state of Tennessee, period. So is this a big deal? Absolutely it's a big deal. Now that doesn't mean our work is over. Unplanned pregnancy isn't just going to go away because abortion goes away. New York and Virginia and other places are going to still have abortion all the way up to nine months. When it goes back to the state. So yeah, Tennessee may say no abortions here, but Illinois is going to say, come get your abortion here. So there's still much work to do, but join me in praying for the Supreme Court, for the decision that's going to be made in the coming weeks and months. And what that means for the landscape of our country. Will our country finally get to a place where we put value on life in the womb? I I hope we do. We'll be back. 
So normally I cover a number of different topics, and I will say that, that something happened in the state of Tennessee a week or two ago that I will cover. I'll just cover it next week. But uh, it's a fetal remains bill that, that the governor signed, and uh, and it does value life, and it's important. And, and so I want to talk about that next week. I won't be going into that this week because we're looking at what's, uh, this big news about the Supreme Court. But but keep your eye out for for that bill in Tennessee uh, the fetal remains, which simply says, and I, again, I'll go into more detail uh, next week. But but what that does is it, it means that a mom who has an abortion can can request that the the remains of the baby be be buried and and have a proper proper uh, burial instead of just being thrown in the trash or or uh, or anything like that. And, and and you know it's it's odd that we even have to to have that conversation. Uh, that it's it's just you know again I'm going to go into it next week. It's a sad state of affairs that the freest country on the planet, uh, would in one of the best states in the union, would have to pass a bill that that says we're going to honor, uh, and, and give a proper burial to to the the remains of this baby. Sad state of affairs, but that is where we are in 2021. But I do want to continue to look at what's happening with the Supreme Court. And with this Mississippi uh, abortion ban, uh, and and so I want to run through some things with you that that I think is important. It's from the Charlotte Lozer Institute, and uh, they do great work. And and so here's here's what here's where we fall. It is widely recognized that the government has legitimate interest in regulating abortion. Supreme Court decisions imposing abortion on the American public have not settled abortion law. In fact. The American people are speaking through their state legislatures. Listen to this. With over 500 pro-life bills introduced just this year. 500 pro-life bills being introduced across the country just this year. Emerging science never shows us that the baby is less human. Instead, each advancement proves again that the unborn child is in fact a human life. So let's look at the science. You know, we, we, we talk about science. We talked about science all through the pandemic. We, we've held up all the scientists. We, we've said we need to trust what they say. We need to listen to what they say. But for whatever reason, when it comes to abortion, that, that, that tone changes from some folks. But let's look at the science. Doctors can successfully treat babies while still inside the womb with life-saving therapies. And this is happening earlier and earlier with continued medical and scientific advancement. One thing to note, you know when they do surgery on a baby in the womb? You know that they give that baby, uh, that they sedate the baby. Now, why would they do that if it was a clump of cells? They sedate the baby because they know that it feels pain. Think about that. They don't want the baby to feel pain, so when they do surgery, they sedate the baby in the womb. Yet we have surgical abortions that literally rip a baby womb, uh, limb from limb. And then they try to say that, that they don't feel pain. At 15 weeks gestation, babies have fully developed hearts. Pumping 26 quarts of blood per day, have arms and legs, fingers and toes with nails and developing fingerprints, have fully formed noses and lips, can taste and make facial expressions, yawn, hiccup, swallow, and suck their own thumbs, have fully formed eyelids and eyebrows, all at 15 weeks. And as we know, as I just said, babies do feel pain. Pain receptors first start to develop at seven and a half weeks gestation. By 13 to 14 weeks, almost the entire body responds to light touch. Brain structures are mature enough by 15 weeks to process pain. 
painful procedures trigger a hormonal stress response. And then we know this, the American people side with the accelerating scientific advancements that confirm the humanity of the unborn and reject abortion radicalism. Did you know this, that 80% of Americans reject abortion after the first three months of pregnancy in the most recent poll? Upholding the Mississippi law is also supporting mothers. There's a 38% increased mortality risk for women undergoing an abortion for each week past eight weeks gestation. Science has advanced since Roe and Casey were decided. Now is the time to humanize our laws based on that science. Look, folks, this is the reality. We can, we can keep moving with our head in the sand and act as if nothing has changed since 1973. We can act as if ultrasounds don't exist. We can act as if we, we're not doing surgeries on babies in the womb. We can act as if they're, they're just a clump and a blob and we don't know what they are. We can act as if we, we're not having gender reveal parties all over the country. We can act as if there's no baby showers. We can act as if no one really knows if it's a cat, if it's a mouse, if it's a horse, if it's a cow or a baby. Or we can be honest with ourselves and look in the mirror and say that the freest country on the planet has taken the lives of almost 70 million babies since 1973. How's that for progress? This isn't a tax bill. This isn't a a mask bill. This isn't a bathroom bill. This isn't any of those things. Close to 70 million heartbeats extinguished since 1973. And we've done nothing. Nothing. And so when we have this conversation, we can all get in an uproar about vaccines and no vaccines and and mask and no mask and and this place should be open and that place should be open we can we can argue about all of this stuff taxes or no taxes child tax credits or not we can argue about all this stuff and maybe we should what an offense it is that 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 we have allowed abortion to reign like it has reigned since 1973 Shame on us. Shame on our courts. Shame on our legislatures. Shame on our presidents. Shame on our Congress and on our senators that would much rather throw this political football back and forth than actually do something. And so, yeah, I hope and I pray that the court makes the right decision here. But but I've gotten my hopes up before and I've been disappointed before. And the fact remains that regardless of what decision is made, Hope Resource Center is still going to be working, still going to be serving, still going to be doing what we're doing every single day because there are still women in need. Just like during the pandemic, unplanned pregnancies didn't take a holiday. Regardless of what happens in D.C., regardless of what happens with the court decision, unplanned pregnancy isn't going to take a holiday. And so if the court decides in the favor of Mississippi, which I do believe they will, hear me, I believe we have the votes. And again, if we don't have the votes, then you can see the 
the political structure that has been put in place trying to overturn Roe v. Wade for as long as it has been in place, it, that structure will implode. But I believe we have the votes. But you better buckle up. Because if they vote in favor of Mississippi and they allow that law to be passed, which which really would be the beginning of the end for Roe v. Wade, you're going to hear for cause of stacking the court. And, and you're going to see currently with Democrats have a majority in D.C., so they'll be stacking the court with left-leaning judges. And then when Republicans get majority, you'll see stacking the court the other way. It'll never end. But now is the time for us to be bold and to stand for what is right. This is why I don't come on this show each week and talk about other issues that I care deeply about. I do care a lot about a lot of things. I have opinions on a lot of things. But what we talk about on this show is life and abortion. Why? Because close to 70 million heartbeats have been extinguished since 1973. And that's not okay. And so maybe this Mississippi law is the model moving forward. Is it the complete undoing of Roe v. Wade? Maybe not. You know, some people would say, well, I'm an abolitionist and this doesn't go far enough. Maybe not. But, but does it move the ball a lot further down the field? You better believe it does. I'm an abolitionist. I want to see it gone completely. But, Man, would I love to see the ball move down the field. And this would move it way down the field. This is why many, many folks who did not vote for Donald Trump the first time voted for him the second time. Or it may be, maybe you're listening to this and you're going, that's the only reason I voted for him the first time was because of the possibility of court picks. And he gave us Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. Now the question is, are they true originalists? Do they believe that Roe v. Wade was unconstitutional? They wouldn't answer that directly in any of their hearings. And I don't blame them. But what was said behind closed doors? Now, one would think if, if the president said, I'm only going to nominate people, judges, that will overturn Roe v. Wade, then one would think that they led him to believe they would, in fact, overturn Roe v. Wade if it came in front of them. And I would argue, because let's not forget, this is Washington, D.C. It is political. I would argue that this court, in taking this case, believe they have the five votes to vote in favor of Mississippi in this case and ultimately begin to the ending and undoing of Roe v. Wade. I believe that. I could be wrong. I hope and pray I'm not. But please join me in praying for the Supreme Court. Join me in praying for the Attorney General of Mississippi and all the attorneys that are going to be involved in this case. We have much work to do. But man, is it worth it. So worth it. We'll talk more when we come back. So as we finish up today, I I hope that that this has been fruitful. I really do. And I say that at the end of every show, but, but hopefully you are, uh, you're in the know and aware of what's happening in, in Supreme Court and, and with the Mississippi law. And, and folks, this is a big deal. This is, uh, you know, when we talk about the importance of, and I've heard my entire life, uh, 
you know, vote for th- this particular candidate because of the chances of, of appointing judges. Uh, you, I've heard that my entire life. I heard that back when uh, Mitt Romney was running, back when John McCain was running. Uh, hey, if you don't like everything that they stand for, at least you know they're going to appoint conservative judges. That's what I was told. When Donald Trump was running, hey, vote for Donald Trump. You know, even if you don't like some of what he stands for, he's going to appoint conservative judges. Folks, this is where the rubber meets the road. Now, it just so happened that, that Donald Trump was afforded the opportunity to appoint three judges. Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. And so, we're going to find out. We're going to find out if that if that model and if that narrative is a working model and narrative moving forward, or does it implode and and they got to start from scratch again. We're going to find out because this particular bill, this particular law that that the court has taken up has its sights set directly on Roe v. Wade. And let's not let's not um, mix mince words. I mean, what we know is most of these laws that have been passed by state after state after state, the whole goal. You know, when people say, well, if you pass that law, it's going to end up in the courts. Yeah, that's the goal. Of course it's going to end up in the courts. We we need it to end up in the courts. We need the Supreme Court to take up a case. And case after case after case never made its way to the Supreme Court. And this one finally has. The court has said, Mississippi, we hear your appeal and we are going to actually litigate on it, listen to your appeal, and then make a decision. That is what the court is saying in D.C. That's why this is a big deal. So now what we have, the rubber is meeting the road. What is going to happen? Will the court rule in favor of Mississippi, rule in favor of states' rights, rule in favor of, of moving abortion and abortion restrictions back to the states? Or... Will they continue to kick the can down the road and do nothing to protect the most vulnerable in our society, which are those growing in the womb? That's the question. I I believe they're going to do the right thing. And, and, and man, seeing Justice Thomas write that opinion, oh, my goodness. I mean, that would be everything. Now, we don't know if he would write the opinion. I bet he's been itching to write that opinion for a long time. Be great to see a mom of seven write that opinion, Amy Coney Barrett. That would be amazing to see her write that opinion in favor of Mississippi. Seeing Roe v. Wade become a thing of the past. Seeing this issue go back to the states where it belongs, where it should be. But I don't know. I don't know ultimately what will happen. Nobody does. I believe they have the five votes. I've listened to people that I respect, people that, that I admire, people that have been involved in this work for a long time say that they believe they have the votes. That is why the Supreme Court took the case up to begin with. This is legacy building. And let me tell you, if you thought that former President Trump was going away, if this happens, if this happens, man, I, you know, I don't know if he's going to run in, in 2024. He, he seems to be getting in behind uh, DeSantis in Florida. You hear, you know, a little talk right now of, uh, Christy Nome possibly running. She's making a visit to Iowa in the, in the coming weeks. Um, and you don't do that as a governor of another state unless you're looking at a presidential run. So a lot of things happening, but this would be legacy building for, for an administration. Now, all that to say, we don't put our hope in the courts. 
We don't put our hope in an Oval Office. We don't put our hope in men and women wearing black robes. We don't put our hope in, in whoever calls themselves president or vice president. We don't put our hope in state legislatures or governors. We put our hope in the God of the universe. And we trust that, that he has seen this, that, that, that he is in, involved in this. But of course, we, we, we seek out good things to occur. We seek out laws that would honor our Creator. We seek out laws that would protect the vulnerable. Roe v. Wade does not protect the vulnerable. It preys on them. And so to see the overturning of that law would be amazing. Absolutely amazing. But again, we have a lot to work, a lot of work to do. Regardless of what happens in DC, hope is still running and operating and serving. Help us do that. Investinghope.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.